I've, uh, oh. I have a confession, a little bit of a confession to make. Uh, you know, I, this, this uh, Fallapalooza, I didn't think that the name would sell. I didn't think we'd get any help. I thought this is a lousy time of the year to be doing this. And, and uh, Gary's, you know, he, he's like my alter ego. And, you know, it's, brother, you got a mouthful of excuses. And, and, and I did. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm preaching on faith today. And I had, the, I had the faith the size of a gnat. And I thought, well, you know, this isn't going to sell today. And then, then the Holy Spirit showed up last night. And we had people that got saved. And I thought, well, Lord, uh, you just, you just kick-started my faith again. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And I want to I tell you, Shawnee Heights ministry team, you, you, gave, you gave this church a win. You gave this community a win. Give yourselves a hand. I, I, uh, I so appreciate each and every one of you. The Apostle John writes in 15, 5 through 8, he says, Yes, I'm the vine. This is Jesus talking. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. That's a whole bunch of fruit they'll produce. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. We got a whole pile of useless branches in the back and they are withering. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. That's the operative by the way, Keith, to be burned. Okay. Just just for you aside here. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Lord, give us some people tomorrow. It's Friday night. And Thursday, uh, when you guys got together and you prayed, Lord, give us people who are ripe for the hearing of the gospel. Give us some people who are ready to work, who, who, are, who aren't going to get worn out. Meet the needs, Lord. And it said, if you ask in my name, it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I'm of the conviction that we are a people of faith. And we have a heartfelt desire to operate in that realm. And having said that, I believe that, I'm a, I, I, that many people 
including myself, have sometime live, sometimes lived outside of that. Oh, we say the right things and we, we, have the, we have the right words and we make the right moves, but when it comes down to the, to the real deal, we don't have much faith at all. And I'm certain that many Christians have been offered the, the, the ride that the world has to offer. I know that some of you have taken that ride, riding on the wild side. And, and uh, I, I in, our men's, in our men's fellowship uh, uh, Bible study, we're talking about that. And, and Jeff is, is kind of stretching us to open up uh, about who we, who we are, how we came to faith. And, and there's, some, there's some tender moments in there. There's some touching moments in there. And uh, we've all been at a place where maybe we haven't ridden on the wild side, but we still were without faith. We still were without Christ. I spent a lot of years living for the devil, and I don't want to talk about him anymore. I want to talk about what Jesus has done in me and through me, in my life, in my wife, through my friends and my church. But people decide to go along for the trip and, and they're, they're, they're uh, as long as they're belted in with a safety net of Jesus and the promises there, they, they feel that, hey, it's only a little bit. I can... I can I can, I can go over here and, and mess around a little bit. It's, it's not going to hurt anything. But we all have to understand that we keep that up and it's going to end up in a train wreck. You are going to crash and burn. You're going to hit that wall because Jesus doesn't play, friends. And I believe that, that we have got to take care of who we are plugged into. There's a, a story told of a young man in a remote mountain village, and he had the opportunity to go to a big city. I married a city girl. She loves the bright lights. If she could live on the, on the Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, she would be there. And I would be there too, drag, you know, kicking and screaming and hollering, but she likes those bright lights. Well, this kid did too, because he'd never seen it. He was amazed at the electric lights, and he didn't have a whole lot of money, but he went down this one, one plate, one street, and they were selling Christmas lights, and he bought three strands of the 300-foot, whatever, Christmas lights. And he brought some, bought some switches, and he took them home. And that, when, he, when he got home that day, the neighbors were saying, what'd you get, what'd you get, what'd you get? He said, well, I got these lights, and you're going to be amazed tonight. You, you, just, you just watch and see. And so he spent all day stringing these lights. He even strung them in his neighbor's tree, hooked up the switches. Nightfall came. He flipped the switch. Nothing happened. See... Our young friend didn't know about electricity. He just knew about the bright lights. And Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
See, if we're not plugged in, if, if we don't have that, that source of power in our lives, the dunamis, the, 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 we get the, the word dynamite from there. We get the word dynamo from there. We get the word dynam, dyna, We get a lot of dino words. <laughs> Dynometer. Uh, we, we, get, we get those words, and it means power and a measure of power. And unless we're plugged into Jesus Christ, we won't have that. And there are many people who, who don't know that, that the way they're living in their lives is, is useless. Oh, yeah, they got the education, they got the job, they got the house, they got the family. But when the sun sets and night comes, they reach for the switch and nothing happens because they're not plugged in. They never had that faith in the beginning that Jesus was going to be the one that lights the world. John 15, 5 through 8, again says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein am my Father glorified, that ye may bear much fruit, and you shall be my disciples. So we need to stay plugged in. Abide is an old English word, and it means to wait. It means to remain, to lodge, to sojourn, to dwell, to continue, to endure. That's what abide means. And first, since all true believers, those who abide in Christ and He in them, they'll bear spiritual fruit. There's no such thing as a fruitless Christian. There's no such thing as a fruitless Christian. You're going to produce some kind of fruit. It may be bad fruit, but you're going to produce some kind of fruit. The second thing, believers, believers cannot bear fruit on their own. It doesn't just happen. You've got, to, you've got to be engaged and have the right elements engaged to produce fruit. Uh, for Father's Day one year, my daughters gave me a, a, a peach tree and a pear tree, was it? And uh, which one of the trees, the dog ate one of the trees and dug it up and chewed it up. Uh, you know, those beagles, they'll get into anything. Now, did the other one ever, did it produce anything? I don't, re- I don't recall, but one lived, one didn't. One was, one of, bore fruit and the other one was a chew toy for the dog. And the Bible, the third thing, the Bible defines fruit as, as converts to the gospel, not the artificial fruit or superficial, of superficial believers, but genuine disciples who abide in the vine. We had this, this uh, uh, apple blaster last night, and Nick was in charge of, of uh, shooting things, shooting zombies and all kinds of things. And I said it'd be a good trick. I, we've got some wooden apples back there. And, and he didn't want any part of that. But, you know, uh, he used the real fruit. He used the real thing. It produced some results. Knocked down targets, put holes in targets, killed a bunch of zombies. And, and uh, we would have had an apocalypse had it not been for Nick. People can get caught up in the excitement of what Jesus can do in their lives and they, they make a promise to give their lives to him and then they forget that part of the promise to stay connected. You know, one of the first things as a, as a young man and young married man that I learned to do uh, 
fixing electrical stuff around the house was to check and see if it was plugged in. Because my wife would say, the light's not coming on. So I'd go and tinker and check. She says, is it plugged in? Sometimes it wasn't. And it plugged it, plug it in and I'm a hero. And I know this may sound simple, but I bet that a lot of people are, may, have made the same mistake. They go to use the washing machine one morning and find out it's not working. Call a repairman out. The repairman comes, plugs it in. If there's no power going to the washer, it won't work. And I'm sure that people have, have done that. And perhaps we as Christians to see that, that the simplistic lesson of why our walk with Jesus isn't working well is we've become unplugged, and we've become unplugged because we're not exercising the right kind of faith. I got unplugged because I wasn't exercising faith. This is going to fail. This is, nobody's going to show up. You know, people are going to have four flat tires on the way to the church. It's going to be a flop. <laughs> and then somebody found the cord and plugged in to Jesus. And it was a success. Why? Because we were plugged in to the source and our faith lit up. Jesus makes it simple for us to understand when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, you can get creative and you can build stuff and, and, and you, you, can, uh, uh, you can have babies and you can raise those kids and you can even build church houses. They're not going to abide. They're not going to stay. They're not going to stand because we're not abiding in Christ. We can't do anything without Him. Staying connected is the most important thing we're to do. We're to abide. Well, what happens sometimes is the warranty is voided. Now, every motorcycle that I ever had, every single one of them, uh, my favorite color is chrome, and uh, loud bikes save lives. Right, Keith? And, and uh, actually, it's loud pipes save lives. But sometimes, if you don't go to the store, the Harley-Davidson store, and, and pay their bazillion bucks for it, they say, you do this, and you will void your warranty. Well, I guess my warranty had been voided about a million times, but... but uh, the label will say on something. If you open this product yourself, the warranty will no longer be in effect. So you play, pay some guy 150 bucks to open the box for you. But you have your warranty. And that's what God's saying to us in the scripture today. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. And if we venture to fix our lives apart from the guidance of God, we're no longer given the guarantee of eternal life. We're going to do it on our own. We'll work our way to heaven. We'll try and buy our way to heaven. We will give our way to heaven. We'll do all kinds of good works to get into heaven. And we're doing it under our own steam. And God says it's not going to work. We have voided the guarantee of an eternal life of eternal life and it's our task to remain in him if we live in a time we live in a time where we're disconnected from everything 
We've had these, we've had these talks in life group. It used to be that everybody had a front porch. And, and you, have this, you have a deck. A magnificent place to sit. And, and so you sit out on the deck. And you have chairs that are comfortable. You have bug zappers that get rid of the mosquitoes. I'm trying to attract bats. Don, it's not working. Uh, no, Todd, you gave me the bat house. Yeah, I need, I need another one. You have a list of 15 phone numbers to reach your family of three. Fifteen numbers! Three people! You don't even own a text or a, a fax machine. You text your son's phone to let him know it's time to eat. He's in the next room. He emails you back from his bedroom, what's for supper? Your daughter sells Girl Scout cookies via her website. <laughs> you chat several times a day with a stranger from South America, but you haven't spoken with your next door neighbor for a year. You pull up in your own driveway, you use your cell phone to see if anyone's home. Leaving the house without your cell phone, which you didn't have the first 20 or 30 years of your life, is cause for panic and turning around to go get it. Jeff, we did that yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, went all the way back to my house to get my phone and I couldn't find it. <laughs> and my wife says, you know, here's, here's two of the smartest guys in the room at my house at that time of day. <laughs> the only other thing was in there was the dog and he doesn't say much when I'm doing dumb stuff. So uh, I get home last night and I get Sarita's phone and I call it and my phone is in my dresser drawer or dresser area. And Sarita says, I, I, was, I was telling her that the dog didn't bite Jeff. And she says, he was over here? I said, yeah, we had to look for my phone. She says, Did, why didn't you guys call it? Mr. Computer. <laughs> yeah, two dumb old guys. We... Well, I found it. it I, I think it's downstairs. You know, cleaning up the dining room means getting the fast food bags out of the back seat of your car. Your reason for not staying in touch with family is that you don't have their email address. You hear most of your jokes via email instead of in person. You disconnect from the internet and get this awful feeling as if you just pulled the plug on a loved one. We don't sit on the porch anymore to visit with the neighbors passing by. Neighbors don't walk anymore. They get in their car to go to the gym to go walk. You wake up at 2 a.m. to go to the bathroom and check your email on your way back to bed. Let's call this guy Ed. Ed bought a new car with a voice warning system and at first he was amused to hear this soft female voice. You are about to arrive at your destination. Thank you. Have a nice day. And so he was amused by this, this lovely little voice and and, uh, and then it's, he discovered this, his little woman was programmed to warn him about his gasoline. Ed, your fuel level is low. Get to the station or you're going to run out of gas. 
That was sweet. And he figured he still had enough to go another 50 miles, so he kept driving. And she interrupted him again. Now he's getting agitated, and he thinks that she's getting agitated with him. So he pulls over to the side of the road, goes up underneath the dash, and pulls out the wires. And he disconnected the sweet little lady that was giving him advice. So much for the little woman. And a few miles later, his car ran out of gas. <laughs> See, he became unplugged. He didn't have enough faith in the system that he spent good money at getting to believe in it that it was going to get him to the next gas station. He became unplugged. The Bible tells us that we have to remain in Jesus and the Word tells us that we cannot deceive ourselves by merely listening to the Word. I got the Bible on tape. I plug the thing in on my ride to work in the morning and it plays all, all ten minutes. And I've had my... I've had my fix of, of the Bible for the day. And James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. We can't fix our lives on our own. We have to stay connected to Christ and allow him to change us. In a world we live in, we feel alone. We feel that we have control. We feel that we have a plan. And if we work the plan, it will succeed. The wisdom of man his foolishness. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Want to know God's will for your life? Read the Bible. Do his, obey it. Do it. Don't just listen to it. And transformed by God simply means renewing our minds that He is in control of our lives and that apart from Him, we can do nothing. And see, we got to have that faith to believe that what He says is truth and what He says will work. And if we don't abide in Him, if we don't listen to Him, we become unplugged and our life is going to fall apart. I don't know what to do. My life is just coming un becoming unraveled. Oh me, oh my, play another riff on your guitar, guitar man. Maybe that'll make things better. No, it won't. What happens if he breaks a string or gets out of tune? Or gets laryngitis? Or heaven forbid somebody steals his hat? Well, what's the litmus test? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy, glory to my Father. Man, we produced fruit. If we would have been in the, in the fruit selling business yesterday, we would have made a bunch of money. We, through the Holy Spirit, because see, in ourselves we can do nothing, right? We produce nothing, we make nothing. We don't make it happen. The Spirit of God does. And He showed up and fruit just came flying off the trees. And some may ask the question, I believe it to be a, a legitimate question, am I remaining in Christ or am I being pulled away by the world? And we saw that with, with joy and, and, uh, and Satan. And, and didn't Bart make a good devil? Oh, man, he's got that part down pat. Now, now, Jeremy, well, Jeremy makes a good Jesus, I guess. The answer, of course, is between you and God and never allow someone other than you or God 
to tell you otherwise. However, this is the test and the fruit. We show ourselves as followers of Christ through our faith. Is, is, it is to the glory of God that we bear much fruit, and it shows the world that we're followers of Jesus Christ. People were pulling hot dogs and hamburgers off the grill and bringing them on in here, cutting up onions, making snow cones, popping popcorn. Those were exercises in bearing fruit. And people kept coming and coming and coming. They ate all the hot dogs. They ate all the, all the hamburgers. And they bore much, our, our people bore much fruit through their serving. And it takes time spent with Christ to mature and display the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But I saw it. I saw it happening in our little ones. I saw it happening in our children. I saw it happening in young Christians. I saw it happening in, in people that haven't been around for a while. The same is true for the fruit of the Spirit. The development of Christ-like character cannot be rushed. Spiritual growth, like physical growth, takes time. You got that little baby there. And there it's not going to be long, and you're going to be chasing the men away from that kid's life. Yeah. And that's kind of scary. But it's going to happen because there's growth. And when you try to ripen fruit quickly, it loses its flavor. Um, I just found this out about tomatoes. When tomatoes come, they're green in the, in the, come to the store. They uh, shoot them with CO2 gas, and it causes them to ripen. Now, they're edible, but they're no match for, for vine-ripened tomatoes out in the garden. We have to understand that this is exactly what Jesus is saying to us in our text today. The world is full of lies, full of fakes, full of people who are not doing as Christ would have them do. 91% of all Americans confess that they regularly lie. 79% had given out false phone numbers or invented new identities when meeting strangers on airplanes. You can't say no to the telemarketer, so you give them your next-door neighbor's phone number. <laughs> That's a lie. One out of every five admitted that they couldn't get through even one day without going along with a previously manufactured lie. Guess what? The survey revealed we lie about the most. What do you think we lie about the most? What? Okay, that's, uh, uh, weight is, is the second thing. The first is income, and the third is our age. Now, some of us can't conceal it. <laughs> hey, John, how old is dirt? Because you look a lot like it. <laughs> There's also a contender that came in fourth, our true hair color. I mean, what color is bald? But here's what I found most intriguing about the study. People no longer seem to care about lying. We accept it. It doesn't bother us. Why? We're, we've lost being a people of faith. We can't trust the Bible enough to tell the truth because the truth will indeed set us free when we believe in the Bible. And we can't trust that enough. We don't have enough faith to exercise that. So what do we do? We lie. And the study found that in the past People thought lying was wrong. Now almost half the Americans say it's not. Let me close with this story. 
there's a university professor who is a Christian and he, and he, he would go down to a local nursing home and visit with the elderly men and women on a weekly basis. And though some were lovingly visited every day by their families, having been sent there because they needed care that couldn't be provided at home, for many it was a place where people were just dumped. It was a warehouse for the elderly. And they were sad and they were lonely, and one day after this professor had made his weekly visit, a student stopped him and told him how wonderful it was that he had the love and gift for that sort of thing. And the professor said, a love for it? Are you nuts? You think I love this? You think I, I love smelling urine, stepping over and kicking over bedpans? You think I love that? You think I love talking to someone who drifts into and out of senile daydreams? Do you think I love that? No, no. You've got to be kidding. And the kid says, why do you do it then, prof? He says, because that's where Christ would be, and that's what Christ would do. And I'm a follower of Jesus because of faith. Folks, this is what it boils down to. To be where Christ would be, to do what Christ would do, to abide in Him, we must be people of faith. Amen? Father, I thank You. I praise You. I count it a joy and a privilege to be able to share your word with your people and Lord uh, I even thank you for bringing conviction into my life Lord I pray that I would be an example of being a man of faith help me Lord in my to believe in my unbelief help me work through that Lord I so praise you for the wonderful work you did yesterday. And Lord, I know that there's, we have guests here today and, and I don't know what their spiritual life is. I, I, uh, I'm sure they're fine people. But Lord, I, I don't know where they stand with Christ. So friend, if you're here today and you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, you've never plugged in Oh, you've heard about it. You've seen the results of electricity. You've seen the bright lights. But you've never possessed the power of Jesus Christ. If you never have turned in, tuned into the source, perhaps Jesus isn't real in your life. And I'd like for you to leave today with the understanding that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you should should meet your death today, even this morning, that you would be brought into the very presence of God. John, I, I don't know that would happen. I have no idea if that would happen. Well, let me give you that assurance. Everybody, I don't want anybody looking around. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to pray a prayer with me if that's the case. You say, I, John, I, I, I want Jesus Christ as my Savior. Well, friend... You need to come and to the place of saying, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And in the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my life and save me from that sin, to be my Savior. 
And Lord, I believe when you died on that cross, you died in my place that I could live with you forever in heaven. I thank you for that. I want to be plugged into you. I want that source of life. And if you prayed that prayer today, and the, the prayer doesn't save you, friend. It's your, what, you, what you believe in your heart. If you prayed that prayer and you never asked Christ in your life, but you did today, slip your hand up. Nobody looking around. I don't want anybody, anybody. Nice and high. I can't. I got the lights in my eyes. Okay. I have some help here. Shawnee Heights friends. Okay. Yeah, honey, I see that hand. I see that hand, baby girl. Thank you. Father, I pray that you'd make this a real uh, a reality in these kids' lives. Help us, Lord, to be uh, able to come beside them and to be an encouragement to disciple them. Lord, bring us back again, I pray in your son's precious name and for his sake. Amen.